affirm that the Bible is God's word, breathed out by him. It is inerrant, infallible, and the final authority for determining what is true, what we must believe, and what is right, how we must live. All truth claims and ethical standards must be tested by God's final word, which is Scripture alone. We deny that Christian belief, character, or conduct can be dictated by any other authority, and we deny that the postmodern ideologies derived from intersectionality, radical feminism, and critical race theory are consistent with biblical teaching. We further deny that competency to teach on any biblical issue comes from any qualification for spiritual people other than clear understanding and simple communication of what is revealed in Scripture. And that is the very first portion of the statement on social justice and the gospel, which came out just a few years ago back in 2018. And to be honest, it, it didn't get a lot of buzz at the start, but within a few years, everybody who was in the know was talking about it. And it, we're still living with it in the aftermath now. And now that the dust has settled, we on the Faith Debate are going to go through this um, step by step. There are how many how many of these little sections are there? There's looks like about 14, 14 paragraphs of uh, affirmations and denials. This is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. I'm Troy Skinner, the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ, online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. And of course, uh, you can follow the show at wfmd.com. And joined, as has become the habit, by the, the Razvies, Imran, known as Raz to his friends, and Daniel. Uh, the Razvies uh, pastor a church in Thurmont and also have a ministry um, called uh, Conquered by Love online at conqueredbylove.org. And they uh, are financial gurus, uh, higher financial, higher ground. Higher, higher ground financial. So you can, uh, you can check them out that way as well. So... When this thing came out back in 2018, the, the statement on social justice and the gospel, did it hit your radar screen right away? Nope. nope. Yeah. I, I heard about it a couple years later, especially when critical race theory became the hot topic. Um, and I know there are, now there's been a lot of pushback. Like, what are you even talking about? We don't even know. No, and the left is claiming, oh, we don't even know what critical race theory is. This thing you conservatives keep talking about, it's not taught in schools. It's not whatever. So that's been, there's been a lot of national debate about the. Uh, words critical race theory, but this statement was put out a couple years probably before any of the. Uh... Hmm, I'm a little distracted because I'm not hearing you very loud for some reason, and I'm not. How about this? Is this any better? I could try this. Hmm. Out of curiosity, would you? T- yes, testing. I'm, I'm hearing your mic just fine. I'm hearing my mic just fine. Your mic sounds very thin. Hmm. I don't know what that what that's about. Yeah, this is this is as though it's a live radio show because um, you you can see what I'm seeing, right? Yeah, I see. When when Imran talks, yes, he's loud like me. All right. When, not like my opinions as much. What the heck? There's not. Let me share the mic. That's not a big deal. We've done it before. I think we're going to have to do. I, I I'm sorry. I don't know. Sound all over there? Well, no. We'll, we'll keep going. But what's the which which mic are we using right now? This one. This one. This one. Okay, so I think it's the I think it's this one. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on with that. Mike, we'll have to see in, uh, in between shows if we can figure out what's going on with that. So, anyway, so yeah, it wasn't on your radar screen. Sorry about that. No. So, I mean, now critical race theory is a national conversation, and I know the left is trying very hard to claim that oh, we don't even know what this thing is. It was never really even taught in schools. It was just a college theory, uh, but it's all throughout our culture now. Critical race theory. And it's, it's interesting, the statement came out a couple years 
ahead of the national conversation about it. I think it was it was brewing. It had been brewing. In fairness, you know, uh, black liberation theology has been around for a while. And I think as we headed into the uh, Martin Luther King uh, anniversary of his assassination, there was a, a lot of attention on that. And so there's be beginnings to be a lot more talk about this critical race theory stuff then. But the statement somehow escaped my notice right away. And I didn't notice it until maybe the next year. Uh, and by then, you know, it felt kind of like old news, but all of us were playing catch up, trying to figure out what the language was. I think we've all gotten much better at figuring out what the language but is. But the language keeps changing is the problem. So you yeah. You have to keep adjusting how you, you know, we, we, went, we went through uh, an older statement a few, uh, few months ago um, from the 80s, I guess, and a lot of that language had stood up, but some of it has means very different than what, uh, you know, in modern, in modern uh, American culture compared to the original, so... And that's part of the game that gets played by the uh, the, the, the non-biblical worldview folks. You know, they uh, it, it becomes a battle of, of of words and definitions of terms, and they keep changing those rules. And that's why I'm so reticent to give up on words. I'm like, no, I'm going to fight for what the actual definition, long-standing definition of that word has been, and I'm going to try to clarify over and over again, and I'm going to try as best as I can to avoid using their words that they've imported right. into our language that really shouldn't be used at all, but they become the common vernacular. It's a real challenge. Anyway, that first thing about the, the Scripture, anybody who's a Christian should agree with that first statement, right? The Bible is authoritative. It tells us what we should believe and how we should live. Nobody, nobody should argue with that. Right. So, this, so they start with some common ground. So yes. I, I don't know if we have a whole lot of discussion on that particular point. I'm going to go on to number two. And if you want to swing back to number one, we can later. But um, So the first one is on Scripture. second one is on the uh, Imago Dei. We affirm that God created every person equally in his own image. As divine image bearers, all people have inestimable value and dignity before God and deserve honor, respect, and protection. Everyone has been created by God and for God. We deny that God-given roles, socioeconomic status, ethnicity, religion, sex, or physical condition, or any other property of a person either negates or contributes to that individual's worth as an image bearer of God. And they give a bunch of scripture to, uh, proof texts on these sorts of things as well. I don't think any yes. of us agree with it. Uh, disagree with this? No, no. But I mean, we, we there are all people. Christ. People are disagreeing with this. That's the point, right? Yeah, but also think about it. Uh, it says people. Now, people meant something different two hundred years ago than it does now. Black people were not considered people back then. Hmm. Okay. Hopefully, by Christians, it should have been. If they were consistent, yeah. they would have. Even back then, there's a lot of Christians that that owned slavery and said, and and they they said the the. That the darker your skin, the more sin you had in your life, and you weren't a person if you were not white. So that I mean, that's changed. So the the definition of people has changed, and, and there was, uh, I believe, you know, systemic racism at one point. But I, I don't think it is now. But the definition of people is different now than it was two or three hundred years ago. Yeah, culturally, not not biblically, right? No, but not, culturally. not biblically. I mean, I mean, Paul talks about. You know, there is no uh, Jew nor Greek. There's no slave nor free in Christ. We are all we are all saved. We're all on equal footing. So that's that's been the case. And slavery, as as a concept, has existed throughout history. Um, and there's there were some people and preachers at the time. I, I think it what Raz is talking about as far as um, oh yeah, they're not really people or they're not the same. I don't know how widespread it was. I wonder how much uh, the textbooks have have been uh, very uh, obscuring the the the, the facts. But who, who knows? But the point is, 
there were plenty of people who are evil and had a evil or an unbiblical definition of what the word uh, person or people would be. And and that's what uh, the Nazis did with the Jews. The Jews were not people, and that's how they were able to exterminate them. So people is is there's a definition, you know, that can be changed. And that's how we've killed tens of millions of babies, saying that they're not people. Exactly. Right. They're not people yet. They're, maybe they would someday come. To, Come to be people, but they're not people yet, so we can do with them what we want. Right. So maybe it would be a little more accurate to say all human beings from uh, conception to natural death are, are image, uh, image bearers of God. Yeah. I, I, if, we want, if we're concerned about how people are going to understand the word person, I would say that those who wanted to say that the Jews or, or, or uh, people with darker color skin or, or <laughs> uh, unborn children for that matter, that they're not people, anybody holding to that position would be in, dis in, in disagreement with Scripture and would be out of alignment with the gospel. Absolutely. Right? And so that's what they're, they're trying to clarify that. And it starts to get into some of the, the weeds already on that one because of the intersectionality, right? right? That some people have special insight, a Gnostic uh, special uh, knowledge of things that makes them better than so somebody like me. You know, a, um, a a white Christian male, well, I just can't possibly see the truth. You guys right, have you more. You have lived experience as a marginalized person. You have more insight into the truth than I do. And so part of, I think, that second portion of the statement is beginning to address that kind of a question. Right. Yeah, so I don't have anything wrong against that statement. I just wanted to <laughs> clarify that, you know, the statement's fine, but, uh, you know, people in general can look at definitions and change the definitions. And my wife and I were just talking about what is right is wrong now, what is wrong is right is yeah. opposites now. And it was in the 90s, right, Clinton? What's the definition of is? It depends on what your definition of is is and what your definition of sex is. And, and so anyway, number yep. three is justice. We affirm that since he is holy, righteous, and just, God requires those who bear his image. Excuse me, i got to clear my throat. Hmm. <coughs> Uh, to live justly in the world. This includes showing appropriate respect to every person and giving to each one what he or she is due. We affirm that societies must establish laws to correct injustices that have been imposed through cultural prejudice. You have it pulled up there, Daniel? Can you read the denial so I can get a drink of water? Yes. We deny that true justice can be cult culturally defined or that standards of justice that are merely socially constructed can be imposed with the same authority as those that are derived from Scripture. We further deny that Christians can live justly in the world under any principles other than the biblical standard of righteousness. Relativism, socially constructed standards of truth and morality, and notions of virtue and vice that are constantly in flux cannot result in authentic justice. Uh, I think that that's correct it, it it may be a little bit uh, difficult to define what is derived from scripture what is the biblical standard because many people on the left these days are trying desperately to we talked about this before we got on the air they're trying desperately to twist scripture to say oh see scripture says this and there's a whole bunch of articles written by gay pastors about how christian uh, oh the bible really teaches homosexuality you know and, and so many other things. So I think you got to As a point careful. of clarification on what I was saying before about the importance of language, this is not a rebuke. This is just me exemplifying what I'm saying. Gay so-called pastors. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> That's true. You cannot be a pastor, according to the Bible. <laughs> not biblically qualified. So. If you're not married. And, you know. You know, married to a dude doesn't count as married. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, these first few, uh, we're going through pretty quick because I think the real grist in the mill is going to be in the later ones. Because I think even those who don't like the statement on social justice and the gospel 
don't really push back too much on the early ones. It's when you get a little further in, they're like, eh, I don't know. So um, unless there's any um, – by the way, fine. I kind of like bouncing back and forth. How about if I'll, I'll read the affirmation, you read the denial. Sure. So this is number four, God's law. We affirm that God's law as summarized in the Ten Commandments, more succinctly summarized in the two great commandments and manifested in Jesus Christ, is the only standard of unchanging righteousness. Violation of that law is what constitutes sin. We deny that any obligation that does not arise from God's commandments can be legitimately imposed on Christians as a prescription for righteous living. We further deny the legitimacy of any charge of sin or call to repentance that does not arise from a violation of God's commandments. Now, without them realizing it, well, maybe they did. I, I don't know. The first time I read this, I didn't realize it. <laughs> maybe it's just my limitation. This really does hit at the core of the question with the CRT, critical race theory stuff, and the social justice God, uh, advocates, because the, the, uh, the foundational error that those who are all about the social justice stuff, the foundational error they make is to confuse gospel and law. And they take things that are part of the law and call them gospel issues. They're not gospel issues. They're law issues. They're biblical issues, but the gospel and the law are not one and the same. And so them clarifying what the law is is really important. I don't know that this is where the focus of the incoming artillery has been, uh, but really, this the is the foundation. Yeah, this is the root of the confusion. Well, because the whole idea is, oh, you're born with your privilege, and therefore you are in a, in, not a, in a uh, position to, uh, even if you're sorry about it, you can't change. You can't, uh, you know, even if you get saved, you know. And I think that's it's that last part that's the, really the important thing. Well, even God can't bring you out of this uh, point of privilege or, or bad uh, situation or prejudice that you were in. No, God, God can remove all, all those boundaries. Now, there is... I think um, some merit to the idea that where you are born and how you are born um, does put you in a position of honor or of shame, and that is a very biblical concept, but we are all in a position of shame, and is, is, is the thing. We are all destined for hell. There is nothing we can do on our own to get to God because we are in shame because of Adam's sin. Not because you did any sin particularly, so I think that's one thing that this, and maybe they're going to get to it later, but this uh, um, article misses slightly is well yeah so if you didn't break god's commandments then you haven't sinned well yes but that's true but also you're going to hell because of your sin nature because you bear the shame of adam even though you personally have not sinned so that's still there and so they're actually and satan loves to do this he loves to take something that's a a true concept in the bible and then inflate it or twist it in some other way that it's that it's wicked but it it is correct to say that you know what um, the way that uh, the way that you were uh, uh, born it, you, you have no control over what Adam did there but you're still going to be punished you're still going to go to hell for it well they try to say the similar thing oh you were born white you had no control over what your ancestors did to own slaves but therefore you're going to be punished for it they they got the 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 concept but they're applying it incorrectly because they're applying it to earthly things rather than spiritual matters about our place and to say nothing of them getting so many of the earthly things wrong their history is wrong do you know how many chinese people have been slaves in this country do you know how many irish people have been enslaved around the world i mean uh, mean, the word the word slave comes from slav and because so many slavish people were were uh, enslaved and they're very white so you know so and 
um, the confusion on these issues, I mean, Raz was hinting at it before when he was saying when we're confusing what personhood is and, you know, systemic racism might have existed before it doesn't exist now. But he wasn't saying that in the context, and that's a violation of the gospel. He's saying that that was a moral wrong, that was evil. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a law question. <laughs> so, right, right. so we're, you know, so far we're doing a good job of keeping our biblical categories straight. Uh, and I think the statement does a pretty good job too, but that's, that might just be my bias talking. So we're on to number five. Yes. Is that right? Sin. Sin. We affirm that all people are connected to Adam, both naturally and federally. We might have defined that in a minute. Therefore, because of original sin, everyone is born under the curse of God's law and all break his commandments through sin. There is no difference in the condition of sinners due to age, ethnicity, or sex. All are deprived, or depraved rather, in, their, uh, in all their faculties and stand condemned before God's law. All human relationships, systems, and institutions have been affected by sin. We deny that other than the previously stated connection to Adam, any person is morally culpable for another person's sin. Although families, groups, and nations can sin collectively and cultures can be predisposed to particular sins, subsequent generations share the collective guilt of their ancestors only if they approve and embrace or attempt to justify those sins. Before God, each person must repent and confess his or her own sins in order to receive forgiveness. We further deny that one's ethnicity establishes any necessary connection to any particular sin. And the way they word here, I, I might word it a little bit differently just because I focus so much on honor and shame versus guilt and innocence. They're both important, but it, I, I think I agree with what they're trying to say. There are two passages in Scripture that are often seen as contradictory, where God says in Exodus, I visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of those that hate me um, and show mercy unto thousands of them that love me. And then later in other passages, it says the father shall not be put to death for the children nor the children for the father. So there is both a principle of societal and historical guilt or, or, or um, shame in, in, is what I would say, and individual responsibility. And I think to, to lean too much to one side or the other is to err scripturally. Um, and what part of the critical race uh, movement's uh, problem is that the, they, they look too much to the collective Oh, we're all guilty, or we're all in shame. You know, you're they're in privilege, or or whatever, and not enough to the individual. But you you can't exclude the collective. You have to have a balance. I think they're both very important to to be aware of. So that's what I would say about that. Yeah, I mentioned as I was reading the affirmation part about being connected to Adam federally. It's a theological phrase there would be federal headship. Basically, he's our representative. You know, we're we're connected to him, and it's kind of you know. If the president of the United States uh, wants something done, uh, sometimes you'll you know you use different kinds of language. So, uh, but he's representing us. So if the president starts a war, the United States has started a war. We're part of the United States. We are Literally. in we fed, right. So we're in. You know, so and uh, that's really important in the gospel because Christ is is uh, is our head. Uh, of, of the body of Christ. And so um, all of us are in sin, and those who are, are saved are in Christ, uh, and, and praise God for that. Um, yeah, I, th I think there's going to be more to say that uh, ties to this, but I don't have a whole lot more I want to say now because I think when we get into the, the rest of it, it's going to start sure. to to fully flower. And uh, because you're now reading, Raz doesn't have the mic at all. Anything you want to add at this at this stage? Okay. All right, so let's read the uh, the gospel portion. 
we, okay. we may not have time to talk about it much, but let's at least read it, and then uh, and then this will probably be the last section we, we tackle for today's episode. So number six, the gospel. We affirm that the gospel is a divinely revealed message concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ, especially his virgin birth, righteous life, substitutionary sacrifice, atoning death, and bodily resurrection, revealing who he is and what he has done with the promise that he will save anyone and everyone who turns from sin by trusting him as Lord. We deny that anything else, whether works to be performed or opinions to be held, can be added to the gospel without perverting it into another gospel. This also means that implications and applications of the gospel, such as the obligation to live justly in the world, though legitimate and important in their own right, are not definitional components of the gospel. This is where the rubber really starts to right. hit the road in the debate and the conflict. That's what you were saying earlier, that you know, law and gospel are not the same thing. Law shows us why we need the gospel, um, but keeping the law is not what saves you, and that's very, very important. Yeah, somebody says, you know, well, he, he passed away earlier this year, but uh, uh, Tim Keller, very high-profile um, pastor in New York City area, you know, he would say things like, if you don't, uh, if, you're, if you're stingy, if you don't give sacrificially to the poor, that, you know, that's a gospel issue. Now, it's an obedience question. Right. But it's, you see what I'm saying? Uh, we, are, we are called to be generous in response to the gospel, right? That should be our, our loving, humble response is to, to do these things, but to conflate them. Or if, um, if your ancestor did something bad and uh, you, should, you should desire to try to make things right as much as is up to you and, and, and you can get involved with. But if, uh, if you don't, that doesn't mean you're not saved. That just means you're disobedient if you're, if you're not following the law. If there is a requirement for you to do something to make something right and you don't do it, then that would be a violation of the law. So this is where uh, the real stuff begins to happen on this, I think. We've got about two minutes left. So you have any closing thoughts on what we've talked about so far? We're almost halfway through. Nope. I, th I think that, that we kind of covered the, the main points of this. It is very important to keep the gospel separate from from the law and we need to fight for it so it doesn't look like either of you your body language is telling me you don't have a whole lot more you want to add so i'm going to put a a, a closing point on, on this because sometimes people have been not so nice to each other on social media in person on shows like this uh uh regarding this kind of an issue and so you get the tone police coming out and say oh your tone is is not good and you know what if somebody gets the gospel wrong the tone should be pretty aggressive, in my view. Paul's pretty aggressive to Peter when he gets the gospel wrong at the Galatians right. controversy, right? I mean, it's like, well, you got the gospel wrong, dude. Clean up your act. And if they re yes. consistently refuse to change and, and be biblical in their teaching, if they're pastors and seminary professors and that sort of thing, and they're, and they're, they're, they're leaders in the church and teachers in the church, if they are not telling the truth about the gospel and they refuse to repent from it, they need to be called out. You need to identify them as somebody who's been marked and avoided, right? Because they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And so the tone, get out your rivals and shoot the wolves, metaphorically speaking. Um, but when we're disagreeing about things that aren't the gospel, for those things, then we need to have um, more 
more of a brotherly tone, yes. a little more let's agree to disagree on this. We don't have to we don't have to pick up our, our, our guns and shoot at each other over this because the gospel's not at stake. And that's why it's so important that we identify the difference between gospel and law, because if we're gonna start shooting each other over disagreements of what obedience exactly should look like and call it a gospel issue, man, we're all gonna be dead. We all get things like that wrong. But right. Christians don't get the gospel wrong. If the, if somebody gets the gospel wrong, they're not a Christian. Right. Yep. <laughs> right? So right. anyway, so that'll end up being pretty close to the last word. Uh, let's see. I'm a little off on the music, but that's all right. This is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. This was a technical uh, mishmash of a show, but we covered some good ground. And I know we made such fast ground. I don't think we're going to finish. We're almost halfway through, but I don't think we're going to finish it next week because I think we'll probably go a little slower. My, that's my assumption uh, through these next ones, but we'll see. Imran Razvi, uh, known as Raz, uh, because people tease him all the time. They like to Raz him. No, something like that. Uh, Daniel Razvi, uh, he's the one that gets razzed. Actually, the truth of the matter is I'm Troy Skinner. I'm the one that gets rather should be. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for listening. Uh, connect with me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from right now. God bless. <laughs>